This week's podcast brought to you by Caddy Wampus. In the middle of this more overarching uh, catastrophic time that we live in, we've had little minor trivial domestic uh, catastrophes on a daily basis. And yesterday morning I woke up and went to do laundry and noticed that the the uh, detergent drawer would no longer close on a, on a front-loading washing machine. And I was going to duct tape it closed because the rest of the washing machine still worked. And you said, no, that won't hold. We need to get bungee spring cords. spring-loaded. Spring-loaded. We need to get two bungee cords and wrap it around the machine and hold the door clo- drawer closed. Unfortunately, the only bungee cords we have are holding our mailbox onto the mailbox. So I took the bungee cords off the mailbox and put them on the washing machine. I'll have to get more bungee cords, but for right now, we can either do do laundry or get mail, and we've chosen laundry. I like that your resolution is to get more bungee cords. Mine is to fix the washing machine. <laughs> Has no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It was bound to come to this eventually, right? Right. Us. What are you talking about? Well, the <laughs> two of us hunkered down in the basement mm-hmm. with a solo cup and a roll of toilet paper, <laughs> our last two possessions, and yep. you have your microphone. The cable is run through the solo cup, an overturned solo cup, and then up through a hole in the bottom of the solo cup on which you've placed a full roll of toilet paper. The microphone cable goes up through that spool, and the microphone is resting in the... Uh, spooled toilet paper, right? It is. What's going on there? Well, our setup is a little bit elementary for this podcast, and we have like these two, how would you describe the holders that our microphones normally go in? Well, they're microphone holders for a different microphone. So they're too small for the microphones that we have, which aren't very big to begin with. And so we balance the microphones on these, um, on these, wrong microphone holders and we don't take them apart every week you just they're like attached to these tray tables that we have i'll take a picture and post it on our instagram at ball and chain podcast so people can see what we're talking about and then every week we just bring you bring the tray tables back over and for some reason this week something was wonky with the microphone holder and so um i couldn't get the microphone to work and so I did what I should have done a long time ago. Like the microphone appears to be perched perfectly. It's cushioned by the toilet paper. It's a much better mic stand. And and it eliminates all kinds of unnecessary parts that we had set up Rube Goldberg style to hold the other mic. And like, and especially during quarantine, it's sort of fitting that the, the thing keeping it afloat and the perfect height is a full roll of cottony soft toilet paper because that, that's when we'll know we're really where we've reached the bottom is when literally so to speak is when i have to use this role because it's the last role we have in the house and you'll know because there won't be a podcast that week <laughs> no i'll just be farther away from the microphone but how many podcasts have we done 
I don't know. 120 something or 120 something, yeah. So 120 some weeks ago, we started doing a podcast with no real, not equipped to do one. We just kind of... Uh, Meaning we didn't have the equipment or we weren't equipped. Well, both. is both, sort of true, yeah. Both remain true. And 120 mm-hmm. some weeks later, we have the same equipment. It's inadequate, as are we. And maybe we should spend 25 bucks and like get mic stands or... Something there must be something better it's than a roll of toilet paper. It's not that we haven't tried. We 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 like the microphones, and so we've looked for mic stands that would work with these, and we haven't been able to find any. So we just uh, we just need to look harder. There's no excuse. There's obviously time now to do it, um, to look online and find something. So, but, but I, right I, now this appears to be working better than any mic stand we've used in the past. And the beauty of podcasting, like the beauty of radio, is no one needs to know. I mean, I don't. Imagine Casey Kasem was calling American Top 40 for 30 years, 40 years with a roll of toilet paper and a solo cup. But maybe he was. Maybe what he do we was. know? What do we know? Exactly. You know, that that's kind of been revealing during quarantine when almost every TV show now is done from somebody's home. All the late night talk shows, American Idol. I think The Voice was, was The Voice done from home. I can't remember. But um, yeah, that's the Kelly Clarkson one, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was done uh, from home. And you see behind the curtain and you know it, it's everything is now a diy production quality you know what i have i've noticed though and it doesn't really matter is even though these people are doing shows from their home and it's not as easy to tell with women but with men they're still getting decent haircuts they're not their haircuts are not haircuts they're doing themselves so especially i'm assuming many of these people are living in la there's somebody who's willing and probably making a killing right now, driving from home to home, you know, like barbers willing to come to your house to cut your hair because uh, there's not a whole lot of raggedy looking folks um, on TV doing whatever from their well, there's home certainly quarantine. are some raggedy looking folks doing podcasts. And I'm <laughs> one of them. That's true. Uh, my beard. You haven't, uh, sh- when's the last time you shaved? Um, it was early on during quarantine. Have you, sh- you have shaved during quarantine though? Yeah, I didn't start out to have a quarantine beard. Okay, you just it just it just uh, blossomed developed. into. I, that. I figured it was something to do, and by by something to do, it requires me to do even less than I did before. Right, but just do nothing with it. Our fifteen-year-old has said though, if you let it get Letterman-like, she will Lettermanic. Well, yes, Lettermanic. She will in your sleep come and uh, trim it or yeah. shave it off. Well, uh, right now, I'm at the stage. Um, I'm, I'm a, what I like to think of as the double Papa stage. It's Papa Hemingway. If Papa Hemingway and Papa Smurf had a, had a child, it would be born with a beard that. Who's looks to like say yours. they didn't? It would be born with a beard <laughs> like mine. Well, it, um, one of my one of my friends, her husband has a mustache. I'm I'm just thinking as we were talking about you know our daughter not loving the bushy bushy beard, and uh, my my friend whose husband has a mustache. She hates his mustache, and she he knows that she hates the mustache. And so that's she, why he has the mustache. Yes, well, that's what she said. She said, "I think that's why he has the mustache because he knows I hate it so much." And I said, "Well, how long? You know, how long has he had the mustache?" I assumed she was going to say like a couple months since quarantine started. No, I, it's been over a year. <laughs> so anyway, but well, who grows a quarantine mustache? Uh, who knows? So, but anyway, he has a mustache. His wife hates the mustache. He has children. Um, the last tally was four of the five children hated the mustache. And I was talking four to out of five dentists recommend not having that mustache. <laughs> yeah. And when I was talking to my friend last week, 
um, as Mother's Day was approaching on Monday, she said, I think that's what he might be giving me for Mother's Day, <laughs> is finally shaving the mustache. Imagine that. Why did I think of gift, that? Is to shave the mustache. Well, it, Mother's Day was awesome. I gave you, I gave you the gift of time on you Mother's Day. You gave me Day. the gift of time, yet whenever the dog needed to come in or out of the house, you would not let me nope. get up and let the dog in and out of the house. I, I, I did some puzzling on Mother's I, Day. I don't mean I gave you the gift of time alone. Father time? I, I gave you the gift of time alone, but, but it was the gift of me spending time alone. Right. right. Because I, there was some of I that. offered to pick up, take out food oh, right. for Mother's Day. It was going to be ready at 5.30. Right. And when I got there, they said just a couple of minutes. They took my name at curbside. Then they took my name again five minutes later at curbside. Then 15 minutes later, they asked my name again. 20 minutes after that, there was a long line of people stewing and waiting for their food. One guy who thundered that he had ordered his food online on Thursday. And where was it? And anyway, I spent an hour in the car curbside waiting for the uh, our, our dinner. And Which so was only else. a couple of pizzas. Couple it of wasn't pizzas, a hard, right. hard and, meal. And, and the manager was very apologetic, and she handled it beautifully. It was a disaster, but it was a better experience than your your dad had, where he was meeting, he was getting takeout from a place that we won't name, right? Yes. And uh, somebody else was picking, picking it up it for up. him. Yes. And They called, placed the order. Supposed to be ready also at 5.30. The person taking the order said, well, this will, this will, you know, be a really busy time. That's okay. We still like to place the order for them. The person, fortunately not my dad, went to pick up the food two hours later as they had been waiting in the parking lot for the order that they had already placed. Um, somebody came out from the restaurant and told them the restaurant was out of food. <laughs> <laughs> so not only did they wait two hours on Mother's Day to... Uh, to pick up an order of food. They never brought home any food. This was a national chain this of a, a casual chain. dining uh, And they had franchise. ordered some ribs, if that gives you any hints. But uh, No, no, they, no that, that's that not what I think really, of this place. Yeah, that's true. Well, Did they order a blooming onion by any chance? <laughs> they may have ordered a blooming onion. So one of my favorite quotes leading up to Mother's Day is our 15-year-old was talking to you about something about Mother's Day. What were you going to get me for Mother's Day? What were you going to do for me for Mother's Day? And at one point, she said to you, and I, I was sitting right there at the table, and our, our oldest said to you, you haven't gotten her anything yet. And do you remember what your response was? I haven't a clue. Oh, I do remember, and it was tongue-in-cheek. But, but your but response ahead. was, she's not my mother. <laughs> and I was just sitting there thinking, oh, you know, well, I, he's mine. And when, when his daughter asks what you, he's gotten me for Mother's Day, his response is, she's not my mother. <laughs> would you prefer that I act like Mike Pence and call you mother? <laughs> no, I certainly would not prefer that. But you could acknowledge that our kids without licenses and without jobs, with well, incomes, this is the perfect they're going to be getting me something for this Mother's Day. This is the perfect Day. time when no stores are open. You can't drive someplace to get something anyway. So what they no, can you would have do, had they, to have thought they, about it ahead of time They do have an internet something. connection. They don't have any money. That's all enabled by my credit card. So they would still, I I don't know what they wanted to get you. And and I thought what I did, and I'm not trying to blow my own horn here, I asked each of the kids to make, to make. Yes, and that that was delightful. I loved that. Our our oldest daughter using, 
I don't know what app she used, but she took pictures of the siblings and they did a really nice picture for me. Our, our son <laughs> wrote me a nice card. Um, our youngest. You say laughing. <laughs> yes. Our youngest daughter. They, they Oh, and our middle daughter painted something like they all made me something that I absolutely love. And it was it was it was a nice day under the circumstances. Not the best of circumstances, but yeah, it was a lovely day. But and we and we did what we do almost every Mother's Day is my mom my mom is buried about a mile from us in a cemetery about a mile from us and uh, we went there and planted some flowers. My sister also went there and planted some flowers and we try to do that. Um, we've done we've been pretty good about doing that most Mother's Days. Uh, so that part of it was was nice too. And then Sunday night. Mother's Day Sunday night. We did what we've been doing every Sunday for the past three or four weeks, and that is watching The Last Dance on ESPN, the Michael Jordan Chicago Bulls documentary. And this one um, was particularly interesting to me because one of his teammates um, that year, 97-98, when they won the championship, and I believe it was the only year he played there, was Scott Burrell, who played um, for the UConn men's team, who was at UConn while I was there. And, um, and Scott, a really good guy. And I don't have any idea why I was in Chicago that year, but I was in Chicago. I'm guessing I was doing something promoting the WNBA, but I I truly have no memory of why I was there. But I must have been, I must have done something promoting the WNBA because um, I got, Scott got in touch with me, said, I see you're at the game. Do you want to go out for dinner after the game? And um, so, yeah, absolutely. So, Watched the game. I don't remember who Chicago was playing. And then after the game, I, um, Scott didn't play very much. After the game, I went down like into the bowels of the arena, not far from the Bulls locker room. And I remember st- waiting for a long time. And, um, and somebody came out to tell me, you know, since Scott didn't play a lot, he had to go do extra cardio. So he was riding a bike somewhere. And um, so I was just standing there waiting for him. And it was a while. And I remember eventually like, all of a sudden who comes out of the locker room or wherever comes around the corner was Michael Jordan. I'd never met Michael Jordan before. I'd never met Michael Jordan or been around Michael Jordan since then. And um, he, as he was walking by... Did he have a retinue of attendance as he does in every scene in the bowels? There were people around him, but he, and he certainly was in his suit with a lot of fabric, which in those days, everybody's suits were a ton of fabric. But you were probably in a suit with a lot of fabric also. Well, I don't think I was, if I had been in one of my suits, it would have been a lot of fabric. Anyway, Michael Jordan walks by and he's like, he said, hey, Rebecca. And I said, hi. And I kept going. And then a little bit later, Dennis Rodman came out, sunglasses, all of his earrings in, I don't know if he had a lip ring then. What he was in full Dennis Rodman mode, hat he was on the whole Rodmanic. thing. He was very Rodmanic, and he walked by and it's super deep. Dis, um, you know, his voice is so. It's like the subwoofer. Yeah, I, I don't even know how to describe it, but uh, distinguishable. And uh, he walked by, and he, I just remember him like nodding up and being like, "What's up? what up, Rebecca?" It's like, hey, how are you? And again, I had never met Dennis Rodman before, and I was just thinking it was so cool as these guys are coming out and thinking in my head like keep pedaling, Scott, keep pedaling. Like who else is going to come out of the funhouse door and walk by and say hello? Um, and then the, the other memory I had about Scott was he, so Scott was a an amazing pitcher, baseball pitcher, um, quarterback, and basketball player. And he was drafted uh, by the Toronto Blue Jays and signed with the Toronto Blue Jays. And um, while he was at UConn. And anyway, he used some of that Toronto Blue Jays money to buy, he just had like a four, four-wheel four drive automobile 
that he let one of the girls on the basketball team borrow one weekend and three or four of us went up to Cape Cod where one of my friends, one of my teammates' parents had a cottage up there near the beach. And it was so, a four-wheel drive automobile? It was a four-wheel drive truck, yes. Four-wheel drive automobile. And uh, so, they're up, so we're up there. And at one point, um, the girl who borrowed the truck thinks it's a good idea for us to go driving on the beach, which was fine initially when we were on like the area where the sand was packed. But anyway, we ended up getting his truck stuck on the beach and couldn't get it out. And anybody who's been to Cape Cod in the off-season, this was probably in April, there's not many people up there and the tide started coming in. So we were freaking out because as the tide was coming in, his car was going, his four wheel drive automobile was going to be destroyed. Um, Eventually, I don't remember how they got it out. I don't remember if they found a neighbor or found somebody to come and help tow it or what happened. But the car did not um, did not get destroyed, and we were all sworn to secrecy to never tell Scott what happened. I don't know if anybody ever did, but thanks for loaning us your car. It's now somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean. I thought you were going to say. I was hoping you were going to say. Long story short, a lovely retired couple in Penzance, England, uh, watched the uh, watch the what? the four wheel drive float up onto float their up, exactly. beachfront property. Exactly. So. Uh, so anyway, the, you know, we talked last week in the podcast about how f- cool it was to watch the last dance and see some of the scenes from the All-Star game because they were at Madison Square Garden. Well, it's also been neat for me because um, in this past episode, they, there was also a part where Michael Jordan is talking to a guy named Steve Empt, who also he was in a wheelchair in I think they're in the training room. And that's when he was giving him a hard time saying, you know, UConn has a great women's basketball team or whatever. Uh, well, Steve was also at UConn when I was there. And uh, I'm sure he was there visiting Scott. And that's why he was in the locker room. But um, just we still back see all those him memories. or we did on the youth basketball yeah. circuit. Yeah, he uh, coaches when, um, a, when a children team. still played sports. And then uh, as we do every Sunday night after watching The Last Dance, we we debate whether Michael Jordan was a bully, an over-the-top bully with uh, with an enemies list that he's still kind of scratching off, um, or if he was just a, a supreme champion doing what needed to be done to win championships. I don't know. I don't think we d- debate that. I think we, we both agree that it's both of those things. It's interesting. It's truly interesting to me to listen to him that he still remembers every single slight that um, he perceived. Dan Marley. Dan Marley. Dan Marley didn't do it, you know. I mean, it, Dan Marley and, didn't do anything, I mean, but Jerry Krause said he was a good defender. Yeah. So now, but that he still remembers that now. Well, and and the the absurdity that every one of these incidents required some uh, some after the fact, or in some cases before the fact, narrative. George Carl didn't stop by my table at the restaurant. I'm going to and who go off on him tomorrow. Had George Carl stopped by his table, he'd be thinking, this guy wants to be friends now. I'm going to go off on them tomorrow. Who was the player? LeBradford Smith. Um, yeah, LeBradford Le- 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 Smith, Smith had a great game as a rookie for Washington. So the next night when they played the Bulls again, Jordan went off on him and, and pretended that he had insulted him after the game when he hadn't. Are we to believe that well, that he wouldn't have been trying the next night had that not happened? I don't know. It's there's an, it's so, so there's such a, but it's such an interesting psychology to me that he just needed this fuel apparently to to, to make him go. And it kind of makes me think of my first year in the WNBA. It was one of our first handful of games, and I can remember one of my teammates coming in the locker room and saying, "I could just hear the other team talking in the locker room. And they were talking crap, and this is what they were saying: boom, 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 boom." And I was just like taken aback, thinking. Wow, really? Why would you know they be saying that? It might have been something specific about one of my teammates, something specific about me. Then a little while later, I I learned or realized 
my teammate had made that all up. She hadn't right. heard them say anything. She thought we needed that. Did she have like a hotel up. glass pressed up against the wall? Uh, right. Or? And I just remember thinking at the time, that's so stupid. Like, that's so stupid. But now, like, when I watch, when I've been watching this, like, some people's brains just feed off of that um, bizarre yeah, but, fuel. But, but it's stupid. I agree. It's stupid to me, and it's probably stupid to a lot and, of people. And, but, and I mean, it, it clearly was a something that worked for him. But it didn't work nearly as well before Scottie Pippen got there. I get that. I, I understand. It's, you know, they won championships because he had those other plays around him, too. Like, of course. But there was something different about him. And it, I think the bigger question is, would you want to live life that way? Like, would you want to be you know one of the best to ever do something but in order to get there you also have this have to have this part of your personality which can never be happy which that strikes me in that way with michael like he was never could never really just enjoy the success because he was always whatever it was like what is the trade-off worth it i don't think it is no but but in his case he at least had the because there are a lot of people like that who then don't achieve the success, don't make a billion dollars and don't win championships and all that stuff. So at least he did get that part of it um, because there are a lot of people who right. go through life, right. you know, with an enemies list and holding grudges and never forgetting the slight real or imagined done to them in 1992. But they're not Michael Jordan. In fact, that's almost everybody who lives that way. Right. Does not have the attendant success. And I think an interesting part for me too, from my perspective of things, is you, you can you can be Michael Jordan and be that way or Scottie Pippen or whoever and still have like a family, even though there's no mention whatsoever in this documentary in the eight hours we've seen of Michael's they, wife. They showed or us children. his kids uh, holding once. a sign on yeah. Father's Day in Seattle, yeah. Yeah, once. Which so, I mean he's controlling the narrative of, of, of course. this whole thing and it's of course, but I'm just saying biologically, you can be Michael and like this. Well, nobody can be Michael biologically, but you know what I'm saying. Like you right. could, you could have this singular focus and this fuel and and completely put yourself into something so that you can be the best athlete, best basketball player ever, and still have a family. I don't know how successful his his family is, whatever. But for a woman, you couldn't. Like if you had that singular focus in sports, I would imagine you would also have part of that to be as a mom and forgetting the fact that you would have to take a year off just for your body. Like uh, Odyssey Sims had had her son, I think a couple of weeks ago. And and obviously, even if there's a WNBA this season, it'll be very, very difficult for her to come back just to have her body ready. Um, You know, can do it, but it'd be difficult. I think if you see that type of, women's player with that kind of drive i don't know if they could also be somebody who had a family it would be difficult to do i don't think it was in the documentary i think i read a a story from when his first retirement came and but maybe it was from the retirement press conference i can't remember where he said his family had had to sacrifice a lot for his i think his phrase was his selfishness in pursuing you know, putting everything into basketball. So there was an acknowledgement, but um, I don't think it was in the documentary. I may be wrong. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't remember that from the documentary. And I can't believe we're this far into the podcast before I mention your favorite part, which is when I say we're into, we've completed eight weeks of the quarantine or whatever it's being called. And we are now in the ninth week. 
you no. hate this. You hate because no. I'll say to you, "What week are we in?" You're like, "I don't, I don't know." <laughs> you love keeping track. I, 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 I have to keep my head wrap my head around it somehow. I, I just like that. While we're all trying to avoid the note, you know, today as we record this, Paul Manafort was released from prison because of coronavirus fears into house arrest or into home confinement, as they call it. And I like to think that home confinement, which is what we're all enduring here, is not some kind of a criminal sentence, though it sometimes feels that feels way. Feels that way, yeah. Um, but but it doesn't really hit home how much it's like that until you start telling me it's week nine. The difference is with a sentence, there is an end point and, and I, here there's a week nine of, you know, like when somebody says, uh, sends you a text, one, uh, one slash 17, oh, you know, right. and you know oh, okay, yeah. I won't be reading this. I won't be reading this thread. Or a I won't thread be reading this on text, Twitter yeah. or something but like that. But at least yeah. you know that there is an end point. This is nine slash what? Nine out of how many weeks? We don't know. Yeah, that's true. I, the only reason I like keeping track is because one week so easily blurs into the next, one day so easily blurs into the next. I want to at least continue to have a timeline continuum perspective of how far into this nonsense we truly are. A timeline continuum perspective? Yes. From your four-wheel <laughs> From automobile. From my four-wheel automobile, Very yeah. Montgomery Burns today. The uh, Yesterday, we saw the, the news story that um, the California State University system is saying that, that classes in the fall will mostly be online. And uh, in the sports world, people are wondering what that is going to mean for sports. And um, I was wondering a little bit what that might mean for kids. We have a daughter going into high school uh, who will be a freshman this fall. And um, we wouldn't do this, but I I wonder if there will be people out there, especially whose kids' uh, favorite sport is a fall sport, soccer or or football, who might consider repeating eighth grade so their child doesn't miss a year of their sports season in in high school. Because we've already seen around here some kids who uh, go from public to a private school to repeat eighth grade for sports reasons, you know, sometimes just to have their bodies mature or whatever. And and, um, I'm interested to see if we'll see that for some kids, you know, repeating eighth so they don't lose that year of high school sports. I'm sure you already know. It hadn't occurred to me, but I'm, I'm sure you already know the answer to that without... I would think some, uh, yeah, I would think some will. I just, uh, you right. know, I wonder how many and, and uh, how it will be impacted. But without missing a year, everybody is missing the year. I mean, whether they have another year, another eighth right. grade year, they're still right. missing this year. And I say this because today our um, our eighth grader who's going to be graduating from the K through eight, the, the school she will have gone to the longest. You go there nine years, it's longer than high school and college combined. I did the same thing growing up. So graduating from eighth grade is a very big deal. Today was supposed to be the uh, school oh. field trip, the eighth grade class trip to New York right, City. You right. would have been with them, right? Yeah. And um, our now 10th grader did that. We hope the other two kids will be able to do that. And it's gone. It's, there's no replacing it. And uh, it stinks. All of these milestones that pass, you try to make them up in some way, but they can't be replaced. Right. And we say that with an obvious recognition that we're fortunate that, you know, she's healthy and our classmates are healthy. This is a uh, whole separate, no, 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 whole 100%, separate um, 100%. conversation. I'm, yeah. And I'm saying this not for our kids, only for our kids, obviously, but for all of the kids graduating 
I don't know why I'm focusing on kids graduating, but it, it, it is, it is, um, it's a milestone and, and it's, and there are some cool things that schools are doing. I saw kids who are going to get a drive through diploma at the Daytona Speedway and another in upstate New York that's uh, having graduation at a drive-in theater and then showing Groundhog Day appropriately enough. But um, but it does bum me out. Let's get the viewer mail, shall we? Well, first, can I just mention something quickly because it's at the top of my brain? Uh, of course. When was the last time you handled money? Oh, I... I haven't during this whole coronavirus. Right? Like when I've gone to the grocery store, I've always paid my groceries by, you know, credit card anyway. But um, even transactions that might normally include money, everything is like Venmo or credit card. Places that used to only accept cash are not accepting cash. Like I haven't, I I just... It's just a weird part of the new world that we're living in. I know this because uh, I still have like crisp 20s in my wallet from whenever I went to the ATM last and I haven't spent any of that money. Now shall we get to viewer mail? Yeah, now we'll get to viewer mail. Big bad look, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Uh, I'm opening this one that says the last dance because we've just talked about it. So, uh, Lori writes, as much as the series talks about the relationship between Michael and his dad, it bothers me that nothing is said about Michael and his family and his relationship with his wife and children. Do you know if discussions of his family are left out on purpose? I have no idea. And maybe family comes up in the last two episodes, which haven't aired yet as we record this. But Because, um, no. you know, they delve in quite deeply to his relationship with his father. Um, and maybe he just wants to protect their privacy. I, I have no idea. But but I did you, Google, and two of his sons from his first marriage with Juanita played at Central Florida or were on the men's team at Central Florida. Jeffrey um, was his oldest son, and I mm-hmm. forget the, the second one's name, and they both were on the men's basketball team there. But, yeah, there's been no mention of his sons or his first wife. He's now remarried. And it couldn't have been easy growing up as basketball players. Um, I mean, it would have been you would have had a pretty good instructor there in your driveway, but at the same time, right. uh, and it's, it's hard to live up to. What's interesting about it, too, is kind of, um, I totally understand that it's a new new era now, but if you juxtapose that with LeBron James and his sons, who have very much grown up in the public eye, partly because of social media, you know, and his son is now, I think, just finished, or finishing his freshman year in high school. But, um, you know, you see his son all over Instagram and other places dunking and playing basketball and, and whether it's the TikTok videos that they do. Whereas, you know, back in the day, it seemed like Michael was very, very private with his, um, when it came to his kids, came which to is, his kids. Which is great. Yeah. I mean, whatever your parental stylings are. I love LeBron's uh, Taco Tuesday videos and stuff too. So, uh, Melissa writes, uh, I saw this on my Facebook account and immediately thought of your missing puzzle piece dilemma you talk about on your podcast. Thanks for the weekly stories. It really adds a lift in my step. All the best, Melissa. Thank you, Melissa. And it's a cartoon. We may have mentioned this before. I've seen this before. Guy sitting in a bar. What are you doing here with a mug of beer and a puzzle piece next to him at the bar looking half in the bag says, driving someone crazy right about now. Yeah. And that's a perfect segue to we've continued to do puzzles. You got four or five of them. And and um, it's unbelievable at this point. It's uncanny, yeah. We got a brand new puzzle. We opened the puzzle. We did the puzzle. And it's missing one piece. I, and and we, we're, always, one. we're always wondering, because like, I walked through the room where we do the puzzle barefoot and a puzzle piece stuck to my foot. So I know 
one was on the carpet. I put it on the table. Um, I think the dog who who enjoys jumping no, up on the counter. No, there's no way. There's no way that every puzzle that we've done, our dog is eaten one piece. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, it makes more sense than my theory that it's like the Bermuda Triangle of puzzles. But I mean, it's just. What would you say? How many puzzles have we done since quarantine started? How, how many brand new puzzles have we done? I, I would say a dozen at least, don't you think? And and every single one of them, except for maybe one or two, has been missing one piece. And what's interesting, and when we've because we've got this nice little puzzle exchange going with one of our friends, when we borrowed their puzzles and done them, have you noticed? Not a single we, piece missing. Uh, I, it's weird. It's never there's a piece missing. But when we open a fresh box and then open the bag but inside th- the box. This was not a Ravensburger puzzle. It was not did. a Ravensburger puzzle. I'll, I'll make note of that. Um, actually, most of the time it's not. But I'm still I'm still flummoxed about this whole, whole thing. Oh, well, I was going to read another email. But since you are flummoxed, I'm going to read this one. Okay. And it's from Dr. Siegel, who writes, uh, I was so tickled when you all discuss words that Rebecca might incorporate into her broadcast. This was a couple of weeks ago. And flummoxed would have been a good one. I was especially delighted when Rebecca seemed stumped on a word that is used a good bit in the South. Cattywampus, also spelled catawampus. Cato- By the Google Dictionary, it means crooked or not lined up correctly. However, it means so much more. For instance, Rebecca, I recall vaguely some wardrobe malfunctions that have occurred in that Holly has always come to the rescue. If your dresser jumper were a bit askew, she might have said that it was cattywampus. This would be a great one for me to use um, if I can figure out exactly the right way when I'm calling a, an Atlanta Dream game, for example. Absolutely. Last year, their season was sort of cattywampus. <laughs> well, there you go. Neil writes, uh, he received swag. I sent swag out. We sent swag out. So I hope people who asked for swag months and months and months ago have received it. If you didn't, send us another email and we'll get it out because now we have the proper postage and don't have to go into the post office. Uh, thanks for continuing with the podcast in these times. I told my wife that I'm not sure what it says about my life when the highlight of my week has become the Ball and Chain podcast each Wednesday. Rebecca, what would you say that says about Neil's life? I would say that it's show, it shows he's living a fulfilling life. I he's probably so not only counting the weeks, but he's probably counting the days. <laughs> I love the kids' stories. Liked Thomas's comments on the paper towels and his, quote, new suit. I thought the paper towel comment a brilliantly accurate take on some of the crap being sold in stores today. We saw some of that recently, didn't we? Some, something, didn't we buy something or a friend bought something? Somebody bought toilet paper, wasn't it? Or maybe I just saw that on my uh, social oh, my media friend feed with who the, bought giant, the, the giant spool with a little bit of paper around it. Well, my friend had also purchased paper towels that looked like paper towels. And when she received them, the, the roll was the size of a half a roll of toilet paper. So the picture was a little bit inflated. How about this that somebody sent us um, that Entertainment Weekly posted? Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Emily Blunt, circling superhero couple movie, Ball and Chain. Uh-oh. Really? A superhero couple movie? Hmm. I wonder if they'll promote that with a Ball and Chain podcast. I wonder. Uh, Jeff in Windsor, our Hollywood correspondent, writes, Steve, I saw your Tim Hardaway tweet, which reminded me of a story. The Tim Hardaway tweet being... You were watching The Last Dance. It opened on the 98 NBA All-Star Game at Madison Square Garden, and you mentioned that Tim Hardaway was sitting, was sitting in, in your locker. locker. Yeah, uh, Not a Hollywood tale, but an Oakland one. After our first son was born, we both got got up for every feeding. I was sure that my experience in film production would allow me to function on little to no sleep. I was wrong. We were both zombies. To help us 
To help keep us awake during the feedings, we rented movies and watched them a little at a time. One day, I was at a blockbuster looking for more movies, and I noticed Tim Hardaway was standing next to me. The NBA draft was a day away, so I asked him who he thought they'd draft. I don't know, he said, but I hope we get a big man. I wished him good luck, and we parted. The next day, they drafted Chris Webber, which, as you recall, did not go so well. Anyway, they did draft Chris Webber, and Chris Webber went to the... Is he in the Hall of Fame yet? No, it's which is absurd. He will be, so... He's been eligible a few times, and he's still not in the Hall of Fame. He had a great career and was probably the correct number one draft pick that year. Somebody sent me, and I'll retweet this. um, My wife saw this in Stop and Shop over the weekend, and it's a picture of Marty wearing a face mask. Well below. Well, I guess he doesn't have a mouth. Marty only has big, giant, googly eyes. But where I would think his neck would be is where he has the, um, the... face mask but uh anyway good for stuff and job <laughs> making sure marty's safe and mimicking some people you see out there who wear the face mask as a chin strap which doesn't work so well right, right? well I, and i saw a guy going into cumberland farms um with the face mask on but below his nose not really helpful young man okay this came in through um instagram hey rebecca and steve Actually, it says, hey, Stephen, Rebecca. Uh, My family loves listening to the pod. I am a runner, and I recently completed a 12-hour marathon. I did two miles every hour for 12 hours. Two miles every hour for 12 hours. Wow. Okay. I listen to your podcast almost every leg, making the miles a breeze. I often listen to Ball and Chain while running and find myself smiling or laughing out loud by myself at the park. I'd also like to let you know that I signed up for and completed the virtual Granby Road Race and did the 10K. Yay! On said 10K, I went out to a dirt road near my house and did a loop. It was an interesting run. As I came to one house in particular, a little dog came running from the yard and right under the large gap under the fence. Not sure why they have such a high fence if their dog is so little. Anyway, the dog came and started chasing me in its evil eyes with its evil eyes and teeth. It wouldn't stop, so the only thing I could think of was pull a little hesitation basketball move and juke, juke him out. I was successful and it started to turn away. Sorry this is so long, but it's a great story, so I'll resume. The owner started yelling, Riley, come back. Get back here, Riley. That is also my name, and I was quite (laughs) startled when I thought I was being yelled at. Long story short, I came back around on the loop and the exact same thing happened again, except this time I managed to spot a muskrat next to the road and somehow cause a traffic jam in basically an empty dirt road in Montana. So anyway... I hope you enjoyed this story from my 10K. P.S. I would like to request to be your resident runner if you don't already have one because my grandma has already taken the resident Montanan position. This is Riley from Montana. Can Riley from Montana be our resident runner? Absolutely. I don't and, know why not. And Riley's story reminds me, I think we may have told on one of the first podcasts, but uh, of the runner who was chased by your dog growing up. And when he, didn't he mace your dog or try to mace your dog? After which... The yes. dog, well, the dog in, was the dog was neutralized, but your mother then went into attack mode. Yes, yeah. The we lived in the middle of nowhere, so our dog was a German Shepherd, um, great dog named Nike of all things, and we didn't the electric fences or whatever didn't exist then. Um, but our dog pretty much stayed in the yard. So anyway, the guy was running by, and I can understand why he was terrified by this big German Shepherd barking at him, and. Um, he didn't know what we knew, which was that our dog was not going to rip his throat out. And so, yeah, he just pulled his mace out and sprayed the dog in the eyes. And so the dog just yelped and, and scampered kind of away. 
and my mom was on the front steps and my mom was not a woman who cursed very much and did she let out some expletives screaming at that guy um on his way by it's one of the few times i heard my mom just let like a litany of back-to-back curse words roll (laughs) superlative expletives oh yeah it was uh good times in the lobo house that day Atina in New Jersey writes, uh, I'm behind on the podcast. A, her name is Atina or Atina in New did Jersey? Did I say Atina? Did I say you said Atina? Atina. Well, the Tina in New Jersey. There are multiple Tinas in New Jersey. Her name is Tina. Not Quarantina. But just Tina. Tina. Okay. Tina in New Jersey writes, I'm behind on your podcast. Usually listen to the car, but now that I'm working recently, my routine... Working remotely, my routine is off. I love your podcast, but by far my favorite part is the opening when you drop a bit about something one of your kids has said or done. Stories usually crack me up, totally crack me up and remind me of when my kids were younger. On podcast 119, Steve mentioned that he jotted down some things to talk about on the podcast, but then forgot what they were about. How he could forget lemon testicles is unbelievable. (laughs) Did we ever figure out what that was? Yeah, I told the story, but I've since forgotten. Your story reminded me about when my son was four. He's now 21. We were eating dinner one night, and he picked up a Snapple cap. If you don't know, Snapple iced tea glass bottles have real facts under their caps. He read, or rather declared boastfully, Snapple really tickles my testicles. (laughs) (laughs) He he was paying extra for that flavor. (laughs) (laughs) This, This was hysterical and something I will never forget because he was so young, couldn't read, and had no idea what testicles were. We think he was trying to say metatarsals because we were talking to him about his feet earlier in the day. These moments are priceless and really not to be forgotten. Although at least at the very least you could jot them down to read and relive one day in the future. Uh, this so snaffle really tickles my snaffle. testicles. Snaffle. <laughs> really tickles my testicles. Which I think is a better advertising slogan whatever the, than whatever the one is that they have snaffle now. Snaffle truly, especially during quarantine where hopefully we need people to laugh a little bit more. They should start putting things like that under their cups. I, w- I w- for one, would at least appreciate that. And in fact, lemon testicles might be a Snapple might flavor. Be a flavor. <laughs> We've talked about uh, our daughter collecting rocks on our hikes during the quarantine, and she has painted them and replaced them back in nature. And in fact, one that we saw that, that she hadn't painted, we saw at the park the other day, it, it said, um, rock on, and it was beautifully painted with a lightning bolt on it. When we went back the next day, the rock was no longer there. And we're wondering if somebody is uh, is collecting the now painted rocks that somebody else has painted. I hope not. But um, Michael, also in New Jersey, writes um, that our family is uh, presently trying to make do, but as the travel ban is in effect, no one is going away, and our pet boarding business has ground to a halt. No tears, though. We'll bounce back. I would like to share a quick story with regard to the rock collecting topic in the last couple of episodes. My wife, Lisa, wrote a small story on Facebook detailing her passion for heart-shaped rocks, he encloses a link to a story. They've lost a couple of dogs, and she started seeing um, seeing heart-shaped rocks and collecting heart-shaped rocks. And there's a, a photos of of a bunch of them, which is kind of cool. And I think our our nine-year-old would would like that. Well, Perhaps, we, um, go ahead. I'm sorry. Can I add here? Or should of I course. wait? Of course. No, please. Um, my mom used to collect um, heart-shaped rocks if she was walking along a beach, or she had a friend who would do that too. And um, there's a gentleman, Stevie LeBeau, who um, who is a great stats person at ESPN, and he works um, with our crew a ton during the NBA season. And he lives in Florida near a beach and goes for mile-long walks every day. And, and whenever we do a game together, 
he'll hand me a bag that has a variety of sizes, many of them very small heart-shaped rocks that he will give to me to give to the kids. And anyway, we have in our living room now this heart-shaped, I don't know if it's a candy dish or what, it's really big, full of all of these heart-shaped rocks that Steve's given us. And actually, I'm just thinking of it now, I should have our daughter paint some of those. Um, Absolutely. And then leave those in places. But they're really small and just, I mean, beautiful. And that reminds me, when, when his name comes up on occasion in regards to the rocks with the kids, one of our kids said sometime in the last couple of months, so if mom had married Steve LeBeau, she'd be Rebecca LeBeau. <laughs> Rebecca LeBeau. I said Lebeau. unless she hyphenated him, she could be Rebecca Lobo <laughs> LeBeau. But isn't it interesting that, I know it's a different spelling, but that if, you, if your married name was just a different pronunciation of your maiden name, people would think you had lost your mind or that you had become pretentious. Right, You know, Stephen, right, Stephen right. Colbert was born Stephen Colbert, but pronounced it Stephen Colbert as his sort of stage persona. They would just think you're affecting a, right. a different pronunciation. Uh, Lobo. No, no. Now it's no, actually Lobo. Rebecca Lobo. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Who's to say I shouldn't just do that anyway. Instead of you becoming Rebecca Lobo, having married Steve Lobo, I became Steve Lobo in the minds of most in, in the nutmeg state. Uh, Michelle writes, uh, hello, the conversation about Rebecca cleaning the dishes after Steve has cleaned them made me laugh out loud while listening to the podcast. One question, Rebecca, do you always reload the dishwasher after Steve or one of the kids has loaded it because the dishes aren't put in, their co- cor- aren't put in correctly or in the best order to best optimize the load capacity? I can answer this one, but I'll let you answer, Rebecca. I do that often in my house and found out one of my four sisters does the same thing. Must be genetic. Thanks for the laughs during quarantine, Michelle. Rebecca? I inherited this from my father. So I come by it honestly, of course. If things, I only reorganize if they're not put in the right place, of course. Like if somebody puts a plate where a plate's supposed to go, then I leave it alone. But um, our, our kids will do some interesting things. Like I've pulled out the dishwasher, the bottom part, and there'll like be a plate in like diagonally or sideways. I didn't even know if it could fit. Like they were told to put something in there and they just almost looks like they threw it in. I've had where I've opened the bottom drawer or pulled the bottom drawer out and there's like a single fork or knife resting in like where the plates go. <laughs> but yes, I do reorganize when it when it is necessary. Do you reorganize? Do I? Yeah. I, I, you know that I have that spatial relation yeah, issue of packing right. the trunk of the car or or um, you know Rubik's cubes or like not my thing. But if you open it up, you can if you're trying to fit some more stuff in it and it's clear that some plates can move around and stuff, you'll do that too. Oh, of you? course. Absolutely. Um, but I, I'm not one who requires the dishwasher to be teeming before I run the dishwasher. If it's, if it's half empty, but I don't have to scrub that, that crusty pot, I'll put the pot in there and run the dishwasher. I mean, I think that's the name implies that that's what the dishwasher is for. You put no stick pans in there before that aren't supposed it, to go in there. You'll, you'll put something in the dishwasher that, Still, it should have. You can soak it and then put it in the dishwasher, or soak it and then wash it. You'll just put it in the dishwasher, which just means it's going to have to be washed after the dishwasher. You, you think that the dishwasher has these magical superpowers that make it clean everything, and that's just not the case. An update from Barb in, in uh, Connecticut, who uh, wrote to us a few weeks ago as she was getting um, tested for her second round of COVID testing. And um, she said, you read my email and, and it brought a nice sense of calm to me. Thank you, thank you, Barbara. 
I'm the person that sent you pics of a finished puzzle in a Ravensburger currently working on extremely challenging. I don't know how your daughter is working on a pure silver puzzle and would love to see pictures of when it's finished. Well, I would love to see pictures of it when it's finished also because it is now in a state of, what would you say, maybe one-third completion she, on the she, floor of the So in, in the living room, she has... The first thing she did was organize every piece, which you ha- I suppose you have to do because how else are you going to figure this puzzle out? Yeah, so she's completed a third of the puzzle and then the pieces are all over the floor, but organized. And so it's almost rendered that room unapproachable. It is. It <laughs> because is. You're, so yeah, and who knows? But it, but we got to get, get her to finish that thing. Done. Anyway, Attached is another podcast that I listen to, writes Barb. And the first segment is an interview with someone from Ravensburger. So in your spare time, smiley face, you might enjoy it, especially when they talk about a missing piece. Uh, stay well. My second test was negative. That's great. And uh, But April is one month. I am happy to forget about forever. I think that's true for most people. I was talking to a, a friend or more a colleague of mine who tested positive early on for COVID-19 and six weeks it took him to finally test negative again. So this thing is a beast. Questions from Lori. Can Steve talk about his trip to England to cover the SI soccer story? I went to London last December to write about Christian Pulisic of Chelsea. It has so many side stories that really make made the story fun. How is writing for SI different now that it's monthly instead of weekly? Well, um, you know, there's much more, involves much more anticipating the news, writing off of stories that uh, didn't happen today. But you know, I've always wanted to write evergreen stories anyway, stories that aren't pegged to a specific uh, news event, news I, of the week, and that's kind of what I enjoy doing. As I like far that her question is, um, how is it different writing for SI now that's a monthly instead of weekly, instead of her question being, how different is writing for SI now that there's no sports? <laughs> well, that's true, too. <laughs> writing for a monthly without sports is, is definitely different, but my trip to England in December, um, just a, a quick story. It was, I missed our kids' band concert in school. It was perpetually dark. It didn't rain for maybe one hour while I was in London. London is probably my favorite city in the world, and I, I have to say it was the the um, uh, the three or four days that I was there, I was kind of feeling like I was missing out on, on the stuff leading up to Christmas over here. But, uh, you know, being at Chelsea and the atmosphere of a, of a Champions League match was, was spectacular. Uh, I, in my little spare time, I was was um, haunting the the bookstores around Piccadilly Circus, which I I love. Hatchards, a great ancient bookstore, there is one of my favorites in the world. And um, but I was frustrated in my efforts to actually interview Polistic. There was a whole song and dance that I won't bore you with with his agent, um, in in wanting to be on the cover and all this stuff and and. Uh, which is not my decision and nothing that we would ever uh, promise to anybody. So that bit of it was frustrating. But um, but being there for Champions League soccer, uh, one of my favorite things in the world. And if you watch it on TV from the U.S., 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it's very different than when you're there at 8 p.m. and it's kicking off in a, in a uh, curtain of rain and everybody's half in the bag. And uh, anyway, it's 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 thrilling. Rebecca, do you have a suggestion on how we can get ESPN to re- replay some games? Asked Lori. I missed the 96 gold Olympic game, but loved the following uh, women's basketball games that were on MSNBC a while ago. I keep hoping they will replay more of the games. After watching the last dance, I'd love to see the replay of the Dream Team's games. 
Well, uh, MSNBC, not MSNBC, uh, That's NBC be, Sports NBC Network. NBC Sports, yeah. Um, NBCSN, re- I think, is what she means. Yeah. NBC Sports had replayed a few of the Olympic Games, including our 1996 Olympic game. NBC owns the Olympics, and so um, ESPN won't be able to replay any of those because they didn't air them originally, and so they don't own the, own the rights to them. So if anybody's going to replay anything Olympics-related, it would be... Um, NBC or NBC Sports. I, I wonder, I would think with The Last Dance happening that NBC, NBC Sports, one of the NBC networks would be replaying the 92 Olympic game, but um, but they haven't. It's, it's kind of interesting in the way that the 1992 um, Dream Team affected the 1996 Olympics because the Dream Team was what it was and got so much attention when they were playing in Barcelona. In 1996, in the Olympics, when I played, we didn't stay in the Olympic Village because um, the men's basketball team couldn't or didn't stay in the Olympic Village because of the attention um, that they were expected to get because of the Dream Team. So we stayed at the Omni Hotel in downtown Atlanta, and because that's what the men were doing, they wanted to treat the women's team the same. So I never once stepped foot in the Olympic Village. It's one of my huge regrets of the Olympics is not going to the Olympic Village and hanging out there a little bit and meeting more people from other countries and other sports. And certainly while that 96 men's team was incredible and won gold, they weren't the dream team. So, um, you know, I don't think USA Basketball has not stayed in the Olympic Village since then. I, I, would, I don't even know the last time they did. I, maybe it was 1988. But uh, the men's and women's teams don't stay in the Olympic Village. Uh, I would just add of my, my visit to London because I try to put everything that in- interesting that happens into the story, but the kind of things that don't get in there because people – it has nothing to do with the story, is um, when I returned from London, when I checked out of my hotel at 5 o'clock in the morning, the guy at the front desk said, and I'd stayed in that hotel several times before, including a year ago with with, uh, our two older daughters and Rebecca's dad, Um, the guy at the front desk said he couldn't print out my receipt, my hotel bill, but (laughs) he would, uh, they would email it to me. Well, they never did. And this was this was maybe ten days before Christmas, and so after the holidays, I called to try to get my receipt so I could do my expenses. And uh, after talking to several people and getting get, getting no answer, uh, but cut off at the hotel number, I called the chain that that who has the reward program, and they, after a bunch of typing and and um, being on hold, they told me, oh, that hotel is no longer owned by them. And is no longer a hotel. I stayed there in the last 10 days of its existence, and as of January 1st of 2020, it was shut down. So good luck getting a copy. So good of luck, your bill, but they didn't basically. give me a case number, and so I, I put my, I gave them my credit card bill and and um, and uh, submitted that for my expenses. But uh, that was a bureaucratic uh, adventure. Finally, I think this is a good one to end on, Rebecca Kathy, our resident behavioral health nurse. Uh, sends in a very nice email about uh, that, that's titled thank you for contributing to my sanity and um, she says thank you both for keeping me entertained during the pandemic I'm enjoying catching up on the podcasts I hope you're all taking care of yourselves and this let's apply this to everybody as we sign off here I hope you're all taking care of yourselves both physically and mentally during this time of stress and unusual life schedules I'm thankful my kids are grown and I'm not at home to, for me to have to deal with continually Rebecca, we've seen that meme of the car that is on the freeway somewhere and, and, and written in their back window. It says, uh, you lied. My teachers are not, my children are not a joy to teach. Um, are not a joy to have in class. Are not a joy to have in class. Yeah. And we're discovering that. Um, 
Talking to my daughter and granddaughter, writes, writes Kathy, I know it's stressful. Thankfully, they're both athletic and very active, so they're dealing with the anxiety of the situation by running, biking, and hiking. Stay well, Kathy, your resident behavioral health nurse. Uh, toward that end, we're trying to get out every day. If it's raining, if, whatever. It, it helps my mental yeah. health immeasurably. And there's ways to do it in a smart way. There's a couple of my friends who I meet uh, a couple times a week and we walk um, at a high school track and somebody's in the inside lane and somebody's six feet away in the whatever lane and then I'm six feet away in another lane. Um, But I think it's really important and we don't tend to do this kind of thing on the podcast, but please still stay home. Please still be smart. We know that some states are opening up. We live in one that can't um, in Connecticut quite yet because there's been so many cases here. Read, read, read and learn about this so you know the truth about how coronavirus spreads and and the impact it could have. Um, And be smart and take care of yourselves and more importantly, take care of other people. Understand that you're wearing your mask, not necessarily to keep yourself safe, but it's to keep other people safe. Look at it as a kind, caring, and giving thing to do. Um, it is not hard to wear a mask. It's not uncomfortable to wear a mask. Put one on when you're out and um, be smart. Well, we're all doing this together. Um, no one likes it, um, but we can make the most of it and um, we can take care of each other. And um, that's that. With that, we should have Tom, Dick, and Harry play us out of here. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane Six of us and the family pet Live in this cuckoo nest Daily grind puts your sanity To a daily test Androgynous and vigorous What we give for a little rest Day by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.